Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And we're back with kind of sore bums because we've just been (laughs) horseback riding Lost Valley Ranch and some of you were with us there and what an amazing, amazing weather. Beautiful in the fall. Yes. And we're just thankful for so many of you who over the years have come to spend time with us and we always walk away with new friends, feeling like we learned a lot and just together had amazing conversations. Yes, yes. We are so grateful for those of you who join us at retreats, whether it's out in Colorado or here in Franklin. And and most of you know that we do still have our emotional health retreat here in a month, and we're getting close, and we're close to selling out. So if you are thinking about it, you're on the fence, please join us. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I mean, we're going to have with us Dr. Chip Dodd, who you're hearing on this episode and this entire season. So that's going to be great. Some of the questions you might have just in person, getting to process that in the room. Dr. Kurt Thompson will be with us. Yeah, we're definitely going to do a QA and a at the retreat because so many people have been listening along and are compiling questions. And that's how we do pretty much every session at a yes, retreat. I mean, yes. we, we love to have the teaching and Rebecca and I lead a conversation with these experts, but then you get the chance to ask your questions and mm-hmm. learn from one another. Sometimes right. I'm always learning from the person who asked the question. I never would have had the courage to ask. Right. <laughs> it's I like, know. Oh, I'm glad know. you went there. Yeah, it's just a wonderful couple days, November 17th and 18th, and we would love to have you join us. And you can learn more about that at RebeccaLines.com slash EH Retreat. Um, today, we're talking anger, Gabe. I know. I'm so... <laughs> feel so frustrated. <laughs> so, but frustration so is not a feeling, but anger is. Frustration is a soft way of saying I'm angry. I know. I say that a lot. Rebecca's like, hey, what are you feeling? And I'll say frustrated. I'm like, and that's not a feeling. Now we've learned from Chip, like, that's not an option. Right. It's either anger or I don't know what else it could be. I think be. it is it's only anger. anger. <laughs> so Rebecca and I, we're at 25 years this year. So yes, that's we are. amazing. So we just Praise are God. always learning like how to operate with one another. And I will say, getting our understanding around anger and what you're going to hear in the next few minutes could be life-changing for you, especially in a relationship where there's lots of love, lots of care. There's also lots of passion, which can sometimes come out as anger. Yes. And Gabe and I are familiar with this emotion because historically in our marriage, I would be the one that would be the public express version of anger. So just more animated, more volume. Maybe a little louder. I'll say volume, volume. is a nice way to say it. Uh, just intensity. And Gabe's like, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to go there with it when she gets like that. And what we learned, you know, over the years through different guided, trusted counselors is that part of it is Gabe's just trying to diffuse the situation. It's not that he's ignoring what I'm saying or trying to make me feel more rejected. He's just trying to de-escalate what I'm <laughs> He's trying to put down what I'm picking up or whatever the phrase is. Yeah. And men are designed that way. And we'll talk about that in a little bit with some of our guests as well. You're going to hear more about anger, how we process it, how we can process anger in a healthy way, and the ways in which when we don't do it in a healthy way, it can lead to some things like pride and some areas of our life that that become real sources of pain in relationship. And that's not what we want. So we, we want to better understand this idea of anger. Yeah. And and what we hope and pray that you'll take away from this episode is that I would leave those situations feeling so shameful. 
by the way I acted or the way I reacted, knowing that my heart's intent was never even seen or known because my my actions were louder than even the longing. And and what we're going to learn is that anger really is this passion and longing. It's, it was longing for to be connected with Gabe and to feel heard or seen, but I just expressed it sideways. And so often we do, and then we walk away, and all we're talking about is how we handled the situation, not the real root, root wound. Well, no, it's the worst because there's something real there that needs addressed, but we ruin it because we say the words the wrong way. We hurt and wound out of that anger. And so I think what we're going to learn today is a little bit of how do we get healthy around this? How do we recognize where that anger is coming from? And how do we see the gift of it? And that's what we're doing throughout this series. We're so glad you're joining us. We're hearing so much encouragement and feedback as to how much this is helping so many of you in your relationships as we walk through this emotional health series. So if you're following along and you want to watch these videos or you want to download the guide, there's an emotional health guide that we created for each emotion so that you can ask questions, respond, do this with your spouse, a best friend, your child. Um, You can download the guide and watch the videos at rebeccalyons.com slash emotional health. Yeah, and Chip Dodd, as you've been listening to this series, he's an amazing coach, counselor, author. He wrote the book, The Voice of the Heart. That's where we're basing a lot of the conversation around. And so we're going to hear from him for a few moments. We're going to have this conversation about anger, and then we're going to interview Levi and Jenny Lusco. Some of you may know them. He's an author as well as a pastor, and together they're doing a lot of focus around marriage, and we just love them and want you to hear from them about how they process anger in their marriage. And so that'll be coming up after this interview. This Emotional Health Series is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible, referred to as the CSB. Now, this is a Bible translation that blends accuracy and readability, so you don't have to choose between literal or paraphrased Bible translation. With hundreds of different editions, ranging from study Bibles to note-taking Bibles to premium and kids' Bibles, you're sure to be able to find one that fits your needs. Now, you know Rebecca and I read the Bible a lot, and I know for Rebecca, this has been the version that she's been using. It's been the version that she goes to that... When I see her early in the morning with Scripture open, she's reading the Christian Standard Bible version, and it's helped illuminate so many things and bring a lot of new perspective to Scripture. The Study Bible takes that to the next level. You're going to get to see all kinds of additional commentary. You're going to be able to see visuals, maps. You're going to better understand the Bible, which is the most important book any of us could read every day. So I hope you'll take a moment and go learn more about the Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. So last week, we touched on anger briefly when we were talking about sadness, Mm -hmm. because you said the one who can't stop crying needs to figure out who they're angry at. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, we're going to get to that next week when we talk about anger. So today on anger, the way you frame anger, you say it's possibly the most important feeling we experience as emotional and spiritual beings, because it is the first step to authentic living. It shows our yearning and hunger for life. That was so surprising to me. I mean, I'm I like, anger is always framed as the worst possible thing. And you mm-hmm. here you go saying, this is the most important signal for us. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. Talk yeah. about it. Even St. Thomas Aquinas uh, talked about uh, that if we're not angry, good angry about injustice or widows or orphans, mm-hmm. then something's wrong with us. Yeah, so, justice. Yeah, we're referencing that territory. But this has been the tough one, because I even say that anger 
is the most vulnerable feeling mm. of all the feelings mm. because it shows what matters to you. Yes. It shows what you care about, what you're willing to risk in. Yeah. So anger is an, an, an emotion that is about desiring something different, desiring change. It's mm -hmm. about desiring. Right. Synonyms for anger are yearning, longing, wishing, wanting, hoping, thirsting, and hungering. Yeah. All vulnerable words. Wow. Because they all expose us to that which we don't have, but it points us towards that which we're after. Mm. Right, which is why in Scripture it says, in your anger, do not, do not sin. sin. It's not insinuated that anger is sin. Absolutely. The the justice and the passion yes. is used rightly yes. when you're you know making something yes. right. So anger, anger is a feeling done well and faced truthfully that leads us to an extraordinary gift. Mm. And the gift of anger is passion, a willingness to be in pain for something that matters more than pain or more than my own comfort. Mm -hmm. Us doing this today is about anger. And it's it's not about your sadness. It's not about your hurt. It's not about your loneliness. It's about a desire for wanting to deliver something, offering a blessing, giving a sharing. You have found something valuable, mm -hmm. something that also you profit from. In other words, just to do it, you profit, but also others getting it allows you to profit, but also you're profiting others. Mm -hmm. And so you're willing to be sometimes made fun of, sometimes judged, sometimes told it's not good enough. You're willing to go through mm -hmm. the criticism because it matters so much. Yeah. What? The, the difference between a good athlete and a great athlete, great athletes see nothing but the ball. They don't have to necessarily be the most physically talented, talented, but they, they're not watching the audience they're seeing what they're after. Hmm. And those I consider angry athletes. Yeah, they're fixated yeah. on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. anger is about vulnerability and wanting, but it often gets confused with rage. Mm, yeah. See, and that's what Talk we, about the yeah. difference of those two. See, rage rage is as different from, you know, uh, Florida and California. Rage okay. and anger, okay? And I'm using that as, a, yeah. I guess, a proper political context today. <laughs> <laughs> Newsom versus DeSantis. But uh, but rage is uh, what almost all of us have, have experienced as anger. And rage is, I'm terrified of being vulnerable. I'm terrified of re-experiencing something I vow to not let happen, and I will murder, kill, and destroy to keep it from occurring. Hmm. I'll do anything not to be vulnerable. That's rage. Mm. Including uh, children who get raged at by parents, I'm going to do anything possible to keep from being in a position in which I'm helpless related to you. Mm. I'm going to make sure you don't do this, don't have that, don't let this happen to you. And we rage at the children even. Mm. And it's really our own terror mm. versus desiring for them and admitting to them and admitting that I want this for you, I can't make you do it. Mm. Why, why is it, especially towards children, that's a great example. Why would an adult rage towards a child? What are they so afraid of from that Their child? Past. Their, okay. their parents, their own past, because I've experienced this, because I had to go through this. I'm I love you so much, I'm terrified. Mm. Yeah. And I need to deal with the wounds of where I came from so that I'm released to be properly desirous or passionate for the child. Mm. You know, passion is not just for the, uh, the hypercharged. I mean, think of a mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, the word passion, I'm willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, suffer. I'm, I'm willing yeah. to be in pain for something yep. that matters more than pain called this child. If I had to put one word below the cross, mm. if there were one sign 
that I had the privilege of being able to put on the cross, I would nail passion to it. Yeah. He came, he t- took care of business, he finished the job. Right. I mean, he went through whatever it took to have us back. Right. I mean, yeah. so when well, let's let's Jesus talk about angry. let's talk about depression because that's yeah. everyone, I mean, we are a society that is riddled mm-hmm. with depression. Yeah. And re- Depression is directly attached to anger. Uh-huh. But that's counter. I mean, to me, I would have thought loneliness is what would lead to depression. Yes. That's what a lot of people would think mm-hmm. today. But I think you make this really great tie to yeah. helping us see why anger is the yeah. seed for that. Yeah, yeah lonely, you s- lonely. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, you say depression rejects the experience of our yearning yeah. and wishes for things to be different. Yeah. It's a denial of the heart's desire yep. to reach out. Yeah, for example, like we were talking about loneliness last time or sadness. And a person who won't admit their loneliness, they're defiantly opposed against acknowledging that vulnerability. Mm. But in that vulnerability of loneliness is a need for relationship, and that's a desire. Yeah. A desire for, because we're made to have connection. So refusal to acknowledge my neediness, refusal to acknowledge my yearnings, we depress how we're made. And anything depressed at one point has a, a, a push back. Archimedes said that a ball of air pushed underwater has an equal and increased pressure to rise. In other words, we push back, we protest at first when we're younger, but finally the ball can be pushed down far enough that it remains depressed, suspended. Wow. Like you've pushed away your desire for life, your risk-taking, your attempt to try again, you're paying attention to hope. And depression is an attempt to give up on hope. Right. To get rid- Now, I know that it becomes eventually a chemical imbalance. There's a point at which it becomes a clinical statement and we need assistance, often pharmaceutically and often temporarily. But before that happens, it's a rejection of admission of desire. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's because it's because when we expressed desire earlier in life, we were shamed or yes. shunned or disabused, yes. right? Like Isolated, it was like right. yeah, like you don't yep. you're not worthy of that desire. Right. You know, and you just think of like words that would come out mm-hmm. like shame on you. Like, mm-hmm. why Why did anybody ever say yeah, that? Anger becomes rejectable. It's right. wrong for me to desire. Mm. Uh, it burdens people when I desire. It upsets them. And so we get rid of our anger, which exposes all we want in life. We get mm-hmm. rid of that mm-hmm. as a way to people please, a way to uh, uh, be recognized as an achiever, as a way to get approval. Yeah. We reject how God made us. Let's talk about that in the context of marriage. When they when marriages start mm-hmm. to drift, right? Mm-hmm. One or the other at some point is like longing and desiring for intimacy or mm-hmm. connection and and it comes out as anger, yeah. right? Which only pushes that person further away yeah, at some it, yeah, point. Yeah, it will come out a lot of times as as improper anger, which is often really rage. Okay. And it rages a demand that that other person show up emotionally, which is legitimate, but we're also expecting that other person to salve, as in stop my feelings. Mm. Like if you perform a certain thing, then I'll no longer have these feelings. Mm. When actually real anger is hoping that person will show up and we will be able to contend with life on life's terms, even though we know that we're all going to have periods of loneliness and sadness and hurt, but will you be with me in this? There's a certain place that only God and the other person can go together. Hmm. And there's a place in every marriage that loneliness will always be there, sadness will always be there, hurt will always be there, but we can be with each other in it right? versus stop 
each other from having it. And I think for some people that that's more comfortable than others. Like, yeah. and why do we have such a hard time being with somebody in that sadness or that hurt? You know, I was, um, uh, when my youngest, my oldest son was born, I, uh, experienced that because of my history and wounds and cultural thinking and all that stuff that I no longer had a wife. I no longer was going to be uh, 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 in relationship with Sonia and that my life was over. My job now was just go to work and bring home a check. And there I go. What was it? It was crazy thinking. Mm. And I went to uh, a helper and uh, this person said to me, you go home. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So you go home and you tell her this. I'm like, okay. And I said, I want you to know, she said, uh, I I told Sonia what I was told. I want you to know that nothing you can do can make me leave. I'm here no matter what. You can't get rid of me. I'm staying with you no matter what it takes. And I looked at Sonia. She's looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I said to her, do you understand what I'm saying? And she said, I think so. I said, well, I don't know what I'm saying either. (laughs) But I know I mean it. Yeah. And that is the genuine anger of fighting for the relationship. Mm. Because the world is always attempting to pull us apart. Mm because of our demands that the relationship fix everything mm. or that the one person uh, give up who they're called to be for the relationship. Mm. And really, when it takes a lot of anger, a willingness to be in pain for something that matters more than pain wow. to stay fully in the relationship. Oh, that's good. And wow. so I was committing to her, no matter what it takes, I'm here. <laughs> like, oh, this is scary. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I signed a contract to be willing to be sad, to be willing to be lonely, to be willing to be afraid, to be willing to be hurt, to be willing to feel healthy shame, to be willing to admit guilt, and to be willing to admit uh, joy. Hmm. In other words, I signed a contract to stay in the dance. Yes, and that's the withness. Yes. Yeah, that embodied presence that's not leaving. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) which requires that we have to leave each other to go do what we're called to do to come back together to share what we gained yeah you know there's that you know uh Sonia and i spent four days together just recently kind of it was sort of a staycation mm-hmm. which is very hard because i i work <laughs> and uh, a lot and uh, she does too but uh at the end of it you know it was like uh i'm gonna be i'm really sad Sonia. i'm leaving tomorrow like well you know you, you do that like, but it's just, we've been together so much, it's hard right. to leave. Yeah. 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 I know so, we've experienced that. Well, you know, you come back in from summer where you get a little more time together yeah. and great conversations yeah. and a rhythm. And then all of yeah. a sudden you're traveling and there's just things going on and that disconnection yep. just starts to happen. And if you yeah. don't admit the feelings that come with that separation, yeah, what happens is we push away from each other or mm-hmm. the other person gets moody and then you go, what's wrong with you? Nothing. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, we wouldn't know anything oh, about good. that. Oh, good. You do. Oh, great. You're like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> We're all perfect. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I would love to. The reason why I really wanted to get that depression connection with mm-hmm. anger is because so many people would acknowledge depression mm-hmm. and feel powerless to right. that depression. And there is a numbing that has happened over a long period of time that now feels like the safest thing. So what would you tell that person who would rather just live it? They don't want depression. They just are so afraid of anger because anger represented misused anger that was rejecting and harmful and painful. So they'd rather kind of numb than have to face that. What's the first thing you would tell them? It's amazing how 
uh, the status quo of survival becomes knowing what's going to happen. So we settle into it. Yeah. As soon as the Egyptians got out of, I mean, the Israelis got out of Egypt, where to step into the promised land, the land of hope and the future, right? Where, where they had to face the giants. They quickly went, what were we thinking? Let's go back to depression. Yeah. At least we know where the, 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 the food's coming from. Wow. That's okay. Right. So fear of dependency, fear of asking for help. And it's something we're talking about anger and it turns into talking about fear. The fear of relenting, like a person who's depressing really does need to get help, mm -hmm. but they've already decided help won't work, mm. which is safety mm. versus the good life, mm. which is mm -hmm. passion. Mm -hmm. mm. So they go get help. So, I mean, honestly, yeah, sit help. down with somebody who's yeah. not going to just throw a pill at you first, yeah. but actually explore your story. Yeah, and like, help them remember what were those longings before they were depressed. Yeah, what yeah. did you use? In fact, so many, uh, and, and especially in the addictions treatment world, I, I owned a treatment center for 20 years. And when the spouse would come in, we mainly, it was, it was an all-male treatment, addictions treatment. And when the spouse would come in, one of the things I would ask is, what did you once dream? Hmm. And the number of spouses that would say to me, I don't want to go there. Hmm. They were defended. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just I, I just want to get back to normal. Well, you don't have normal anymore. That's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to the way it was. The way it was, is, was wasn't good enough. Hmm. And so they were mad and but fearful of admitting what they dreamed. Then they would start talking about what they dreamed. It's the anger of the loss of what they thought would be. Right. Yeah. And, they, and yes. I was asking them to desire again. And they would say, sometimes they say, I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> oh, man. But they wanted to hate me because I was offering them that thing that mm -hmm. they wanted to dream again and hope mm -hmm. again and desire mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. and risk again. Yeah. Because love is in the risk. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Daily was, in marriage, right? Yeah. It, it was, reminds me of a liturgy, and we'll we'll end here. Um, in Every Moment Holy called The Death of a Dream by Douglas McKelvey. I don't know if you've read it. Mm -mm. Well, this get ready. familiar. Get ready. Um, I stumbled upon it. You know, I had a night, a season where I wasn't sleeping well, and I would read through that book of liturgies at four in the morning or whatever. And when I when I stumbled upon it, I wept because it gave words yes. for um, a, like a disappointment in even God or, or the circumstances. Mm -hmm. it, it allowed me to kind of acknowledge like, oh, I have anger in areas that I didn't even want to acknowledge because there was a loss, a longing, a sadness, and then lo ultimately a depression. Yes. Because I felt shame feeling all those things. Yes. So it's just like coming back to going, if we can acknowledge these things, face them, mm -hmm. again, use our emotions to face ourselves, mm -hmm. not hide and run from ourselves, right. then then that healing began. And mm -hmm. I read it over my son later, year, years later, and, and he tears fell for him. It was like, wow, that was a healing practice to go, what did we used to dream that died? Yes. And what do we need to acknowledge as a result of that? Mm -hmm. And then where do we invite God in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's anger. Yeah. Welcome to the Psalms. Yeah, exactly. You know it? Exactly. They're full of anger. Yeah. And we, we tend to reject that. Mm -hmm. you know? Thank you. Thank you. Now let's listen in to our conversation on marriage and anger with Levi and Jenny Lusco. 
Welcome to the podcast, Levi and Jenny. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us, Gabe and Rebecca. This is amazing. Well, we love you guys from afar, and we've gotten to be, you know, friends here and there at different occasions. We sat at a wedding together. I know, I remember, and there was some dan- there was some getting down. I do remember that at the reception. You guys are a lot of fun. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, but you guys are a lot of fun. And I, I really, obviously, got to know you through your story um, of losing your daughter years ago, and was so moved by God at work in your life and your testimony and the power of just walking through grief and was so inspired by that. We have our oldest is a son with a special needs diagnosis, and we walked through grief just through learning and discovering. And And while our stories are not at all the same, um, I just resonated so much with God's anointing on you both through that pain. And so thank you for bringing your gifts to the world. Thank you for the church that you lead and the books that you write and the messages that you're about, especially what we're talking about today. Um, Talking about marriage, and I think this is so vital because there's such a threat on marriage, and we've learned this throughout the decades, but obviously the centuries, but especially in these last several years. And so for you guys to go there, we're real excited around this emotion of anger. Yeah. Anger, obviously, as we've talked with Chip about, is one of those emotions that it's hard to understand that anger could be a gift. But the more we're understanding it, like there's moments, and especially in marriage, Rebecca and I have had these moments where there's anger happening. And it feels uncomfortable. It doesn't feel right. And then you start to understand, well, wait, maybe I'm feeling that anger because I'm wanting to fight for this marriage. I'm passionate about this being right. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious in your relationship over the years, five children, you've really walked through a lot. And have you had moments of anger in your marriage? And if so, how do you evaluate that? <laughs> no, they've never been angry, Gabe. Yeah, I was going to say, no, it doesn't even <laughs> ring a bell. Uh... <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, uh, yes, 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 we have. And I feel like this is just such a good topic and so hard to talk about, but so necessary mm-hmm. to talk about. And I think in our marriage, um, I am probably the outwardly angry one more. If Levi gets angry, he's more like he'll kind of be quiet. More cold. Yep. Cold, kind of like puts up a wall. Stoic. Um, stoic. Um, however, when I get angry, it shows like there's no hiding it. Like it's like in my eyes, it's in my face, it's in my tone, it's in how I talk or yell or whatever. Like I'm just outwardly angry, which is interesting because in most of life, Levi is the verbally like eloquent. He's able to explain like how he's feeling, what he's doing, what's going on. Yeah. And I'm very much like inner. So I am like, when I am thinking about something or planning something, it's all like inward where Levi is talking through it with me and like um, brainstorming out loud. I brainstorm inside. So it's this interest, it's an interesting dynamic of verbally when anger comes into the the situation, I'm outwardly angry and Levi's more inward and is able to like think more clearly and talk through. Whereas my emotion, my passion, my anger is loud and yeah, <laughs> all of the above. It can be abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> so when I found that this was the topic, I was like, okay, we're gonna go there. Mm-hmm. Here I go. Well, just so yeah, you know, you're many times. Yeah, you're not alone. I I definitely out of the two of us am more. Uh, expressive. Vocal. Well, and, and here's the thing. I mean, our marriage counselor 
we have a few <laughs> seasons of our life. But, That's um, awesome. Um, we have Emerson, a litany of Emerson, counselors. Emerson, one of them. I mean, he talks about men in general, how sometimes we do just shut down. And part of that's like our heart rate starts to go up. Like we're, when we find our wife looking us in the eye, angry, frustrated, you know, <laughs> that that we we tend to like try to regulate our breathing and stay calm. Diffuse. Because God's made men strong and we could get angry, but there's some almost protection in there that men just kind of know how to simmer it down, go inward, but then obviously that can create the wall and that can create the quiet treatment, silent right. treatment. Yeah. Um, and it makes the wife more angry. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I think figuring that out is so important. Yeah. And just understanding those things. Um, you know, my, my, uh, Part of my defense mechanism in this way came from a series of, of traumas and things that I went through in life. Uh, my mom and my, my dad got divorced uh, functionally when I was a senior in high school, but she actually emotionally left uh, much younger. And so part of that has caused me to withdraw from situations where I feel like I'm in danger of having um, a, an emotional wound of some kind. Mm -hmm. And so kind of even just understanding my tendency is to pull back and protect myself and to sort of like, you know, wall up as a way of like, I don't want to allow myself to be hurt. And so, you know, knowing that and knowing that Jenny is in that critical place of being the woman in my life, uh, like my mom was, you know, that's kind of been when I feel that happening, I pull away and that, that makes Jenny feel more hurt, more anger. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that's helped us is just, you know, being curious with strong emotions. Yeah. You know, when you can be curious, you know, it's been said that curiosity is a superpower. Mm -hmm. Einstein didn't do the math he did because of his incredible intellect. Uh, he did it because he was constantly curious. He said it was his greatest superpower and he would imagine himself riding a beam of light. So I think when Jenny and I both can uh, be curious with it, when there's a strong telemetry on the dashboard of our of our relationship, we can ask questions and and want to understand what's driving those things as a and and what's contributed to them over the years and what's now being, you know, habituated again and again and again almost even subconsciously uh, as opposed to just reacting to what we're seeing. Right, cuz anger is a secondary emotion, so there's always an emotion underneath that. So it's almost like the warning light and then there's something underneath it, but, but that requires that curiosity of, okay, what is actually mm -hmm. driving this and what is actually underneath? Yeah, because um, in these eight primary feelings, the first one is hurt and hurt runs through all of them. And that's mm. why it's the foundational feeling because usually what's under anger or under loneliness or under guilt is there was hurt somewhere along the way that we just didn't have permission or even the acknowledgement the noticing, to name it. And one thing that I love about anger, as we know in Scripture, says, in your anger, do not sin. So it doesn't mean that anger is synonymous with sin. It's more how we express it, whether we shove mm -hmm. it down or whether we rage, right? So it, it can go to two extremes. But one thing that I'm thankful to more understand, because I'm definitely more verbal and vocal and animated than Gabe. So we are a mm. mirror of what you guys do in mm. conflict if, if it's attached to that. But it says, um, you know, Chip says that anger is possibly the most important feeling we experience as emotional sp and spiritual beings because it's the first step to authentic living. We're actually allowing our inside to match the outside, right? Or maybe we're allowing our outside to match the inside. And then it says, it sh he says, it shows our yearning and hunger for life. So if you kind of backpedal, Jenny, what you're saying, you're like, there's something that you are longing for and yearning for in your relationship, in your intimacy, 
that is coming out sideways, clearly, uh, like it does for me. And so while it's like we just want to be more intimate and close to our husbands, and we're just saying, will you meet me here? Will you look me in the eye? Will you will you stay engaged? They're like, no, retreat, 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 <laughs> because yeah. it's like a warning light. So sometimes we inherently get the opposite of what we're really yearning or hungering for in the way that um, they're just trying to diffuse, 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 like not escalate, not escalate. Um, And that was so insightful for me because, you know, when a woman um, backs up in conflict, she starts to stonewall. But when a husband does it, it's more to deescalate the problem. But if a woman does it, she's starting to shut her heart down. And that's a very dangerous place for a woman to be because nothing in us wants to do that. Like, in our relationships of intimacy. Wow. That's so good. That's powerful. Just taking notes here. Don't mind me. No, but but does it how does it feel? We're give them to a friend later who really struggles with this yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, I think that Rebecca and I've had that moment where I've seen her back away and start to shut her heart off. And it was like red alarm fire because once I understood that, I understood that there was something shutting down in her that needed to be fought for. And and that's where anger can go both ways. It can be this passion that needs to come out. It's it's fighting for something. And I know, uh, Jenny, when you get upset, sometimes you're trying to get you you want a reaction out of Levi. Probably mm. like you're like, show me you've got a heart right now. Show, show me, me you care. Yeah, show me, totally. Show me something. Rebecca does that to me too. And um, but what I've also found is anger can lead us to pride. So. Sometimes it can be like contempt. We think we're better than the other person, and that leads to this contemptuous type anger that comes out of pride. And so, so in, in your marriage of all these years, what, what are some of those ways, what are rhythms that have been a part of your marriage that help you guys just stay connected at this level where it doesn't have to rise to this place of anger or contempt or pride, but you, when you look at your sweetest spots, your healthiest spots, what are some of those rhythms that have been really important for you? Yeah, I would say mm. um, there's a great scene in that Bruce Willis movie, Unbreakable, where he talks about you know when, when he knew their relationship, their marriage was was going to really put on the rocks. And he said, I had a bad dream one night and I didn't wake my wife up to tell her about it. Mm. And normally I would. I would. And he goes, when I just kept sleeping and went through my night and didn't tell her, it, it was when he stopped bearing his soul to her, mm. stopped being naked and unashamed in that way. And I think so for Jenny and I, like trying to not go long without telling each other whatever little nicks and bruises we've accumulated, yeah. uh, what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. You know, we try and, you know, have those moments. We just had a walk two days ago where we just really like, Hey, is there anything I haven't told you? Any funny stories I haven't told you? And just any little things and just trying to stay vulnerable because when you're honest about and vulnerable about what's going on and what something made you feel like, if I tell Jenny what something she did made me feel, she's like, no, no, I didn't want that. I didn't want to make you feel small. I didn't want to make you feel like you're not a good provider. I was just stressed out. So I said this, Mm. I slashed out and said this, but I didn't mean that. But what I took it at was an insult and affront on my manhood or my masculinity or the provider I am. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a man doesn't want to stay engaged in any battle. He doesn't think he can win. (laughs) And when you start to feel like a failure, it makes you pull back away from it because you feel like, well, what's the point of even trying? I'm doing the best I can and I'm not even succeeding here. Mm -hmm. So where we're taking the time to be vulnerable enough and and where I'm not saying you did this, but I'm saying, Hey, when you said this, this is how it made me feel. It can make Jenny feel empathy and compassion and then vice versa. And we just, we, we, we stay in, in simpatico in that way. Right. Like when, when there is hurt being like Levi said, honest and vulnerable about it, 
makes all the difference in the world. And the humility, I think, is huge. So for me, like if Levi does something that hurts my feelings or is offensive or whatever, and I let it let it stay there, I, instead of saying, hey, that really actually hurt when you said this, instead of saying that, but then doing like just being annoyed or being just kind of shutting off and moving on and doing the next thing and not actually like explaining like that hurt me, that changes everything. That just that little like step of humility. And I think that that more and more we're trying to keep those things at a, at a small amount yeah. or yeah. none at all. For sure. <laughs> well, one of the things Rebecca and I've tried to practice, there's moments in our marriage where we don't have the answers. You know, we'll get into one of those conversations mm-hmm. and just taking it to God in prayer, just going, God, we don't really know what to do with this. Will you help us? It's been a practice. And I know in your new project, you guys have coming out in a couple of weeks, the marriage devotional, 52 days to strengthen the soul of your marriage. This is part of what you're trying to help couples do, which is make space to talk, to answer some questions with one another, to be vulnerable, to pray together. And these are practices that a lot of marriages, it's it's lost. It's not happening. And so I love that you guys felt so compelled to do that. But describe for us a little bit about what that experience is like for people when they start to find this regular moment of connection around scripture, devotions, prayer. And why we all need it in our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jenny and I both have found such strength in reading um, the same things, even if we're not reading it together. I don't want to give people an unrealistic picture <laughs> that we're both, you know, sitting on the porch swing with lemonade, like sharing one copy of the book and a milkshake with two straws, you know. Uh, I don't Ooh, know why lemonade, you mix lemonade and, milkshake, and a milkshake. Gross. But, uh, <laughs> don't put spaghetti, it in the same just, glass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. Reading spaghetti like Lady in the Tramp did. Okay. Um, but, we read it, you know, oftentimes when we read a book together, we re- we're reading it individually, but then we're discussing it together. Like right now we're doing the Bible in a year and we're both reading the same thing today was Mark's gospel. And so getting to talk about that. And, and, and I think with this marriage devotional, we're hoping people will be going through the scriptures, going through the prayers, going through the, 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 the conversation starters, even some of the activity suggestions we give in there and reading those, maybe, maybe they'll read them together, but I think a lot of couples will read it separately, but then have it on their date night or their check-in night, which we've found great value, by the way, pro tip in separating those two, mm. make your, your check-in night, which is your hard conversation night distinct from the date. And I let the date night just be all fun. And when hard stuff emerges on the date night, put a pin in it and have that hard conversation later. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but then having these sorts of things, uh, come up in and guide and be a framework like the trellis that helps grow grapes. I mean, a grape vine that doesn't have a trellis is just a disaster. Mm. So we want scripture and prayer to be the formative trellis that allows the grapevine of their relationship to flourish like it's meant to. Yeah. So when you are in the word daily and you're, you're meditating on that individually and then together, how does how do you integrate that with what we were talking about earlier, um, like conflict that might arise or tension? On, and how do you just intersect those things so that you can kind of stay at that place of oneness and withness, um, knowing that obviously stressors are going to still come and go through the day, through, the, through life, through busy, through kids and schedules and all of those things. How do you recognize those things sooner and acknowledge them and kind of come back to repair. Yeah. Well, I think when we're on the same page with in the word or in in a book or when we're learning, we're both learning and growing. And I think that is even just in and of itself such an important distinction of our own relationships with the Lord because I think when we're going deeper with him individually, that truly causes us to um, be drawn together in our marriage. And so when I'm when I'm expecting from God 
the things that I should expect from him when I'm um, looking to him to fulfill me and to satisfy me and everything, then I'm not looking to Levi for those things. So, I mean, to just go to the foundation of like, I'm looking to Jesus to meet my needs. And then Levi is, I get to have a relationship with him and I get to enjoy him and work through hard stuff. Yes. But I think the more that we're on the same page individually and together, um, as far as in the word, I think that changes everything because I'm not looking to Levi to meet what only Jesus can meet. And so that in and of itself, then going into conflict, there's just a, I feel like for me, even in this past year, Levi and I were saying how we've just noticed a a shift in our relationship, like a shift in rhythm and shift in communication. And and like Levi said, those little conversations and um, when we're actually wanting to understand each other and we're curious about each other, we want to serve each other, we want to love each other, the conflicts, like you said, conflicts are going to come, but there's more of a, we're doing this, we're on the same team doing this versus I'm angry at you because you're not doing your job. It's more like I'm I'm angry because we aren't on the same page and we need to work together. So you guys saying like the beauty of anger and how that leads to passion of fighting for our marriage, fighting, uh, we're on the same team, we're not against each other. I think that is life-changing. It makes us be more generous filling each other's thought bubbles in, you know, because we're always filling thought bubbles in. When anybody uh, acts in any way towards us out of the normal, our brain craves narrative. So it's always going to try and assume uh, some sort of intent. I think the better we get at assuming positive intent as opposed to negative. So if Jenny does something, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt because love believes all things. She wasn't trying to hurt me. She's just busy. You know, she's not mad, you know, whatever. And and there are, of course, are going to be times when she was acting in sin towards (laughs) me. Look, she's a sinner. It's fine. (laughs) We're working on it. Uh, But Mm-hmm. But but there That's there real. are going to be times, but but seventy five percent of the time she's just overwhelmed, you know. She's just whatever, and I think we're going to become more kind as we fill in these thought bubbles over people's heads, mm. as opposed to just always assuming. Man, they just she just she forgot that one thing I asked me I asked her to do because she was just she doesn't care about me. It's like no, actually no, she's just got a lot on her plate right now, mm. and uh, I think cumulatively we get better at managing some of these things that's the power of compound interest in a good way true yeah that's awesome i think um our podcast we talk and our listeners love rhythms and i I heard you mention earlier you guys went for a walk a couple days ago that's a favorite for rebecca and i too yesterday we had a great walk and it always leads such a pretty time of year oh my gosh fall is so so wonderful can it just last forever please (laughs) we literally rock on our front porch like old people and just milkshakes and lemonade it's kind (laughs) of funny i love it throwing some coffee (laughs) while we're at it um no but when we walk we get to have better conversations and this is back to men having a hard time with the face-to-face conflict, right? When your wife's confronting you, it's like, but when we walk together shoulder to shoulder, I feel more open. I feel like I can be more vulnerable than I do sometimes if we're just sitting in chairs looking at each other. So that's that's a pro tip from the line side. Um, But what other rhythms for you guys? What are some of the fun things you like to do? I know you talk about it even in this book. You give people like a checklist of thoughtful activities. Like what, what are some of those 
things for you guys that you just really enjoy doing besides walking. I know we're at that age where walking's <laughs> like a thing, but That's so what else? Well, I will say Henry David Thoreau said that when my legs begin to move, my mind begins yes. to think. So there is something to there's a connection, creativity and 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 movement. But um hmm. uh so it's not just old age. Uh but <laughs> for one of we and the book is packed with these kind of ideas every day. Well, and I think a lot of people will read one a week, but if you're maybe needing to hyper hmm. uh, go through it 52 days, but it, it, it can last a whole a whole week, uh, a whole year of weeks rather. But um for Jenny and I, one of our favorites is the sauna. You know, we uh, sit in the sauna, it's 200 degrees. You can't really be on your phone because the phone shuts off. You're sweating. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a real cathartic thing. And we love sitting in there together. Yeah. Um, one thing Gabe and I love to do is ride bikes, but he's, I'm amateur. He's not. So as in most <laughs> athletics, which would include golf and all the things, but we decided we would go bike riding recently because um, we live in Leapers Fork out in Franklin and we were trying to go, everyone cycles and they look like professional they come in packs and they all dress the same. And I was like, let's do this, Gabe. So I get out like there. road biking? Are you talking about like spandex? Lance yeah, yeah. hundred percent. And Gabe has those shorts, but not me. You'd love to see the picture. Oh yeah, I know. for sure. Padded, all of it. <laughs> so I... I just get out there and just whatever leggings and a mountain bike <laughs> and and there's a lot of hills and it was like not the right kind of bike. And so we thought it'd be just wonderful recreation and I'm just panting to just try to not fall try over. To get those hills. <laughs> yes. But you did a great job and now I ride the mountain bike with you so yeah. we can we can be at I know. the same pace. So he, awesome. he lowers himself <laughs> so that we can actually you condescend I know to come he on does. It's a great condescension of Gabe yeah, yeah. to ride with me. <laughs> I bear her burdens. Um well Aww. listen, you guys, we we just love chatting with you about these things. I know people listening are encouraged. And just to know that that hey, marriage is one of those things we're all walking through these difficult moments. Our emotions can get the best of us, but there are healthy ways to try to see that, to process it, to give the other person, Levi, as you said, the benefit of the doubt when we hear that anger to go, what's the passion behind that? There's something she's passionate about right now, and I need to try to determine and discern that. And I think those things are going to just be helpful. And so thank you guys for living your life in public in this way and just allowing us in to just see a little bit into how you guys navigate marriage. Thank yeah, you thanks for having us. You guys are amazing. amazing. This is really powerful. Fall is one of my favorite times of the year. There is so much to look forward to, but the holiday magic doesn't create itself. As soon as back to school is over, it feels like we're prepping for Halloween, then straight to Thanksgiving, and then Christmas. And I'm not complaining, I love all these holidays, but I definitely feel a bit overwhelmed when I look at my to-do list. I've never been more grateful though for the meal prep habit I've developed, thanks to prep dish meal prep meal plans. Dinner time used to be a scramble, then I seriously dreaded the what's for dinner question more than any other. Now I don't even have to think about what to cook. I let Prep Dish take care of it for me. The founder, Allison, is both a dietitian and a chef, and I love knowing our meals are not only delicious, but also nutritional and balanced as well. Plus, she's a mom to two boys, so she gets the need to feed a family without spending hours in the kitchen each night. I also love the flexibility. Every Friday, I get four plans delivered straight to my inbox, gluten-free, paleo, low-carb, and super fast, which makes it just one hour of prep. If I have a late meeting or a holiday party, I can easily cross a meal off the list. If I have family coming to stay, I can just as easily double up or add a meal from a different plan. I love knowing I have healthy meals waiting for me amidst all of the crazy of the season. If you thought about trying Prep Dish, now is a great time to check out the free trial. 
Allison is offering listeners a free two-week trial. Check out PrepDish.com slash RFL for this amazing deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com slash RFL for your first two weeks free. Let me know how you like it. Aren't they the best? I know. So fun and, you know, honest. I love I love talking to couples who are like, yeah, we get angry. We yell at each other. <laughs> it yeah. happens. Anybody listening knows that's the truth, but how come so many times we're just afraid to talk about it? Right. Honestly. And then talk about the redemption of it. Like when you say it, like we're acknowledging with Chip, like when we acknowledge our anger and admit it, it opens up intimacy to go like, hey, I didn't mean to handle it that way. And then all of a sudden Levi's like, I know that wasn't her intent, but it came out that way. The more we understand each other, the more we choose to trust and we extend that goodwill. Yeah, and the thing I loved about what Levi said, and this is coming up in some of these conversations, but he goes back to that origin, the the story, his mother. Like, he understood in his story, there was a wounding that happened with his mom and that relationship that now starts to play out in his marriage. And I'm telling you, when you can start to trace back where some of these root feelings pop up in an unhealthy way, it gives you so much freedom to now know how to address it, to understand why it's happening. And that's been, I know, so helpful for me and I think for anyone listening. So I want to encourage you, get their marriage devotional book. It comes out in a couple of weeks on November 15th. You can pre-order it now. It's called The Marriage Devotional, and it's 52 weeks that give you one one day a week where you could sit with your spouse, have a devotional, answer some questions together, find connection this might be entry level for some of you who aren't having healthy conversations. It'll give you a great excuse to do that. And we also want to remind you, if you're enjoying this series, we're only halfway through the emotions, so share it with other people. Review, comment, send us an email at info@rebeccalines.com. Continue to just tell us the ways in which this is impacting you and your relationships. And let's all continue this fall to keep getting healthy. And if you're looking to have a deeper dive, like we said earlier, and connect some of those family of origin responses to responses you're actually doing today, we will obviously do that at our emotional health retreat in a few weeks, November 17th and 18th. Join us at RebeccaLyons.com slash EH retreat.